0: jesus we can't um we can't hear your voice unless we have soft hearts and we can't um God, if we come in here with pride, uh, we cannot hear you and, and Lord, we need to hear you, we need what you have to give us, so Jesus, I pray that every single person here and listening online and and that listens to this recording later. Jesus, I pray that we would take a moment and we would allow your spirit to search our hearts, that we would confess, God, that we are sinful, we are broken. Some of us, we are addicted to things, and uh, God, we've, we've just really messed up. But Jesus, you came for people like us. We believe that, your word says it, and so God, help our hearts to open up, to what you would want to tell us. Help our minds to be sharp and so we can understand with wisdom what you would say to us. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. So we're going to be in chapter 6, starting in verse 7, going through verse 13 of the book of Mark. So we've been going through and we're going to look at that. Um, God's activity in my life personally is always connected with his mission globally, let me just stay that, say that again. God's activity in my life personally is always connected with His mission globally. Um, what is that mission? It's bringing God's kingdom. Jesus said, "I'm bringing God's kingdom." All throughout Scripture, we have this idea of a kingdom that God is he's ripping a kingdom away from Satan, and he's establishing his own kingdom it's bringing god's kingdom that's god's mission so what is god's kingdom i mean is is it what is it it's god's work in this world of bringing people into a right relationship with him through what jesus has done that's it bringing people into a right relationship with him that's god's kingdom when someone Ha- goes from being rebellious to God, like, like, God, I don't want to do what you want me to do, and I'm, I, I, I want to live my own life. And when they are transformed, and they then say, God, I'm in a right relationship with you. I'm forgiven, and I'm set free, and I want to follow you, and I want to honor you. That tra- that person has gone from Satan's kingdom of rebellion to God's kingdom of life and peace, does that make sense? So, kingdom is a real important idea. What part of the world is God concerned about? Then, bringing His kingdom to all of it, right? Every part. He sends His agents to every nation to save people everywhere. You know, it's really cool. There's, there's a. No, uh, uh, oh, by the way, has anyone ever seen the Chosen that that series? Okay. You gotta see this TV series, The Chosen. It's, 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 um, you can download the app, The Chosen, and then you can watch the whole series, and it's free. And it's incredible. It's really, really good. Well, there's this one scene where, and it's just in the Bible too, I guess, but it's just in my mind because it was in The Chosen, where Peter pulls up a, a load of fish that Jesus miraculously filled up his net with fish, and there's 153 fish. And, and that's very interesting because, In Jewish tradition at the time, there was 153 different people groups in the world. And so what was Jesus doing with this miracle is he was showing Peter, I care about you, but I care about every single group of people in this whole world. And that's God's kingdom. It was not just about the Jews. It was about God bringing his kingdom to every group of people. And so I thought that was pretty interesting. Um, So then the question is, what part of the world should I be focused on if God's yeah well you could say every part Um, but we're told we should be focused on where God has placed you first the place that God has placed you and then you can expand that to your region and then you can expand it to the whole world as you as you start partnering with God in being used by God on his mission he says you don't have to start on the other side of the world. In fact, I don't want you to start over there. I want you to start in your neighborhood, and then in your city, and then in your state, and your community, and then then reach out in that way. So again, God's activity in my life personally is always connected with his mission globally. Jesus had this mission, okay, of um to, to save. He has a mission today to save this city of Denver. And he always does it through a deep personal work in our hearts. He's not going to magically bring some preacher in here that saves everybody in Denver. And everybody in Denver is not going to wake up one day and say, oh, I love the Lord. No, God has purposed in his heart that he wants to use you and he's going to commit to deeply working in your heart his love and his gospel so that everywhere he sends you you're going to reproduce that love and that truth and that freedom to everywhere everyone that you meet Major Ian Thomas is one of my favorite pastors and authors. And he said, the life that he lived then, the life that Jesus lived then, he lives now in you. So that means everything that you see in the Bible of Jesus' life and, and the miracles and all that, Jesus is, Jesus is growing that and building it in you. You are his body we are his body did jesus start a new political uh, party in jerusalem no he just did, did he have any tools that he used no he had one thing his body and where did he go with his body wherever he went and who did he talk to wherever who was ever there to talk to he was there, he, was, he gave himself his body to be what the people needed. And what the people needed most at that time was truth, and so Jesus gave them truth out of his mouth. And then there came a time where the people were done with truth, they rejected truth, and they needed a sacrifice for their sins. And so he gave his body to be sacrificed on the cross for their sins. And we are now an extension of his body. So when we go somewhere and we love people, that's Jesus loving them. When we speak truth into their life, it's Jesus speaking truth in their life. And when they turn on us and they reject that, and then they demand a sacrifice, they, they want to kill us, we freely offer our lives in surrender and say, we're here to serve you. We're here to love you. Jesus reached the world in his day through love and through power. And he still desires to do the same thing today, but but he's going to do it by giving this love and power to us. That's his plan. So with all that being said, let's start, let's look at our text and see what happens in Mark chapter 6, verse 7. It says, he called the 12 to himself and he began to send them out two by two and gave them power over unclean spirits. Very very interesting, okay? So the topic now is serving God. He he is sending them out to serve him or to you could say partner with God on his mission. Jesus still wants to reach that area, this area. Jesus has been walking around the area of Galilee, and he still wants to reach this area. And so he says, guys, I got a lot of work to do. I want you, I want to partner with you. I'm inviting you to partner with me on this mission. So what was his mission again? Spreading his good news of his salvation, what what Jesus was going to do for them, okay? And what was his salvation? It was Jesus. It was him. Jesus had come and was going to give his life to be everything that they needed. If they needed healing, Jesus was going to come heal them. If they needed truth, Jesus was going to come give them truth. And if they needed sacrifice, Jesus was going to come sacrifice his own life for them. This is pretty great news. So this is a pretty simple message. Hey, guys, the Messiah has come. That's that's the whole message Okay, that they were supposed to give. But Jesus... Um, we see some really important things here about serving God and about partnering with him in this mission. Number one, it, what do we see here? It says, it, he called the 12 to himself. Now, if you're just reading this quickly, you're going to just blow right over that and you'll be like, okay, so he wants to have a conversation with them. All right? But that's we've got to slow down and see what it's really saying. He called them to himself. This is teaching us that the basis of serving God is relationship with God. Jesus, before he sends them out, before they do anything for him, he invites them into a close, intimate, personal relationship with him. He called them to this. You are not called to change this city first. You are called to relationship with Jesus first. Intimacy with God is first. Serving God is always second. Always. Changing the world, always second. When we get those flipped around, really bad stuff happens, which we're going to talk about. When we think we are here to change the world, we are going to naturally trust in ourselves and we're going to make a huge mess of things but when we realize that God is here to change us and that his love is transformative his his grace is powerful in our lives then we can be useful to him but he can't use us as the tools that he wants to transform the city until what it, until he's called us to him we have walked with him as his disciples we have let him tell us and pour into us I love you you are good because of me you are you are right you are redeemed I have called you by name and you by name and I am you are mine and that relationship is the foundation for actually being with a mission uh, on a mission with God So these relationships, so we see that first primary relationship of the disciples with their master. And then we see a second relationship where with the disciples with each other, he sent them out two by two. He said, I know it's uncomfortable and you might not like the guy that I pair you up with the people that I place you with, but it's important that we learn that it's about relationships. So the first relationship was their relationship with Jesus. And remember, this isn't the first time that he's even called them into this relationship. Way back in chapter three, verse 14, it says, when he appointed the 12, he appointed them that they might be with him and then that they might, he might send them out and preach. Well, today is the day that we're getting the, send them out to preach, but he reminds us and he sends us back. He, he re- helps us to recall what he had already appointed them to, that they're called to relationship with him. And now he's sending them out two by two so that they can see that this relationship with God is now affecting in the relationship with other people. If you find that your relationship with other people is always messed up, you're always angry with them, or they're always angry with you, or you're always stressed and disappointed and, and, and uh, frustrated by people, the problem is not with other people. The problem is this relationship between you and God isn't there yet. It's not where it needs to be. Because when this is in its right way, here, here's what it looks like. God, I, I'm such a sinner. In fact, I am the chief of sinners. I have nothing good in me. But God, your love and your, your grace is poured freely upon me, and I am so unworthy. But I feel it, I know it, I believe it, and I'm receiving what you have done for me. See, when that's in its right spot, then you look at your brother, and he's an idiot too. And it changes the way that we treat them. Instead of treating them, oh, I'm so frustrated with you, and I'm so, why do you do this? And losing our patience and our love with them. Instead, we are patient with them, and we're kind, and we're tender-hearted, hearted and, and we can partner in that way. And that's what God wants to develop, where there's humility with all of us. So next we see that in order to serve God, these these disciples needed something. They needed grace. They needed power. They needed something they did not have. In other words, they needed to be given power and abilities that they did not have naturally. And it says in our text, and he gave them power. Power. Over unclean spirits. You see that? Give is always the language of grace. Give is always the language of grace. When you earn something, it's not grace, right? It's wages. And it's the law that you're supposed to get what you earn. So if you work 20 hours for your boss, you're supposed to get 20 hours worth of pay. When he hands you your paycheck, you don't say, thank you for your grace, master. No, you say, give me that. I earned it. It's mine. Right? And he's all plain, like, keeping it away from you. And you're like, give it to me. I earned it. Right? Jesus doesn't work that way. God will not work that way. With God's disciples, it works a different way, which is grace, which is you don't deserve this at all. You've done nothing to earn it. But I have called you. I have chosen you. And I love you. And I am going to give you things that you do not deserve. And I freely offer them. Oh, what a mean God. Right? I say that sarcastically, of course. Although much of the world thinks that God is just demanding and mean. But we see, if we actually read Scripture with a heart that's open, that God is so gentle and kind and full of love. Give is always the language of grace. Grace is how we're supposed to serve God today. That's what we learn from this. These disciples, okay, so we're going to see a lot of like specific things that he's going to tell them and and so some people go overboard and say, "Well, if we need to do all the exact specific things that that Jesus told them to do, but that's actually not where we get our application uh, for this text this The application is um, you need power. Jesus supplies that power, okay? Uh, does God expect you to go out and change the city of Denver in your own strength? Absolutely not. Absolutely not. In Acts 1.8, there's a really important text for all of us to really have memorized. It says, you shall receive power. Jesus is talking. He's already ascended. He's already risen from the dead. He's talking with his little group of people. And he's like, guys, we're going to change the world, but not yet. You're lacking something big. You can't do this. I've chosen you. You're going to do it, but you can't right now. He says, you shall receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you. And then you shall be witnesses to me in Jerusalem and in Judea and Sumeria and to the ends of the earth. So in Acts, he's, he's telling the church, that's us, how we're going we're gonna to do this. It's a gift that we're given And he even has a name. It's called the Holy Spirit. So when I say you're going to get something that you didn't have before, it's not a magic power. It's it's not a, a super skill. It's a person with a personality who is equal with Jesus. It is the Holy Spirit. It is God himself. He's saying what you lack, the power you lack, cannot just be supplied to you uh, at some magic power it's it's me i am the only one that is sufficient to do what i've called you to do so when god calls us to partner with him he's not asking for workers he's asking for people who will become one with him and have the same heart and the same vision and the same mission and the same love that he has and power to Love people. When Jesus did miracles, did he do miracles uh, to show off? No. His miracles were always, like, done in secret. Like, he wasn't trying to get popular. He knew the person he was ministering to, and he loved them. And he would meet with them as much as possible in private and in secret because he wanted them to know, I'm the one who loves you. It's not your pastor. It's not your parents is not your friend it's i'm the one that you need very important now the words back in our text he says he gave them power do you remember that the words gave them power is in in greek it's called the imperfect tense which means uh, that he kept on giving them power as needed which means that as they toured around galilee they were, they were constantly needing more, and he constantly supplied them with more. Jesus did. And this is wonderful. This is the way he works today. God's commands to us are always his promise to enable us by his Holy Spirit. Whenever he commands you to do something great, he also supplies what is needed. And he's given us the path to get that. And that path is always fellowship with him, connection with him, intimacy with him. Does that make sense, guys? Yeah. This is awesome. Yeah. Um, Because anyone can spend time with Jesus. You need no special skills. You don't even need to be good. You don't need anything. In fact, when Peter, you know, when when Jesus called Peter, Peter said, depart from me. I am unworthy. You got no idea the things that I've done. And Jesus says, no, I've called you. I do want you and I do love you. And this is so powerful when we realize we bring nothing and he gives us everything. God is not looking for people who will give up all that they have And give all their strength for him. He's not looking for those people. He's looking for people who are empty enough that he can pour all he has into them. And I don't know about you, but that makes me very, very happy. Because every time I've tried to commit to do more, you know what's happened? I have failed. Anyone else done their best? And it's just, every time it's like, why am I so stupid? Why am I so evil? Why? Because God's not looking for that. He's looking for us to empty ourselves of pride and come to him with humility and say, God, I need you. I very much need you. If God's willing to give you all he has, what else do you need? Let's read our text. He commanded them to take nothing for the journey. Do you see that? Nothing. Except a staff. No bag, no bread, no copper in their money belts, but to wear wear sandals and not to put on two tunics. Now, the specific things are not super important for us. We don't live with sandals and tunics and stuff like that. The, the point of this is we must go by faith. We can't trust in things. In other words, we need dependence on the Lord, not dependence on wealth or any human ability. And if we were to put that in one word, that is faith. Jesus demands that his disciples walk by faith, okay, um, we need dependence on the Lord, not wealth, in order for God to accomplish what He wants to accomplish in our city in Denver, through this church, we don't need money, I'm so happy for that, right, because we're all but poor, you know we all just it's we're not blessed with all the money in the world. And God's not asking for our money. We need faith. We need to trust in him. You see, this minimum of provision that Jesus sends his disciples with was meant to call the disciples out to a maximum of faith. Okay, Jesus, if I don't take anything, then what am I going to do for food? What am I going to do for shelter? What am I going to do... You know, he says, well, you can take a staff. What were staffs used for? When you were tired, you leaned on them, so it was a sign of weakness. So he's like, you can take a sign of weakness. You can take a an example of, of that you're not strong and you can't do this on your own. That's cool. And you can cover up your nakedness. That's cool. But, man, you don't need other resources. So because they didn't have any other resources, they had to fully cast themselves upon the lord they had to fully trust him do we like doing that anybody enjoy that man no we don't when god's like ha ha no job for you we're like ah we freak out we worry so much and god's like your job wasn't what you needed it's not what you need still what you need is faith to trust me jesus says i will provide for you every step of the way i will give what you need to survive but we didn't get become christians to get rich did we we became christians because we were broken sinful we had nowhere else to turn And Jesus is the only person that offers us forgiveness, peace, joy, and everything else along with it. That's why. And so we're committed to him not to being comfortable, right? How many times do we make decisions with our money to be comfortable instead of being on mission with him? Man, my... I could do this with this money or I could do this with this money. What am I gonna do? Well, if I'm this would make my life more comfortable, this would further advance God's kingdom. What am I gonna choose? These are the things that a Christian wrestles with. Okay? Now, now we're gonna hammer it. I'm sorry, but we gotta read this text, this this scripture, 1 Timothy 6, 6. Nobody's gonna like me after reading this, but hey. Take it, take it up with Jesus. He, he's the one who tells us this. He says, Now, godliness with contentment is great gain. For we brought nothing into this world, and it is certain we can carry nothing out. And having food and clothing, with these we shall be content. Um, but those who desire to be rich fall into temptation and a snare and into many foolish and harmful lusts which drown men in destruction and perdition. For the love of money is a root of all kinds of evil, for which some have strayed from the faith in their greediness and pierced themselves through with many sorrows. Don't trust in anything except Jesus. You have a question. Perdition? bad stuff so i don't know any english major want to take that one judgment okay there you go bad judgment there you go thank you greg (laughs) um people have trusted in chariots and horses throughout the ages you know, if 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 a country had chariots and horses, they were seen as strong. And if you wanted to be protected, you would go and submit to that country, and and you were you thought you were protected. And God's like, no, I'll take I'll take out that country like that, okay. And and some people trust in men, other men. Oh, I, I can put my trust in this person. And other people trust in machines. As long as I got my phone, I'm good. Right? We put our trust in our phones a lot become an idol in many of our lives so we do this today we trust in bombs and technology and it's all a snare it says here it brings sorrows jesus says you can only trust in your god in in me You can only, that's the only option. If you're going to, if you're going to be used and sent out to make a difference in this world and to be part of my kingdom, there is one way to go and it must be trust in me. That's the only way. Now you can try to make a difference in the world by doing other stuff, by not trusting in Jesus, but you will fail. And even if you save a thousand people from dying of hunger by your you know money making efforts or your generosity if it's not done with Jesus you don't even get rewarded for it that's that's a bummer so what are you what are you trusting in besides Jesus is it your job is it your strength is it your money your stuff or is it something more like your ability to make people do what you want them to do through manipulation your ability to make people what you want them to do through anger. These are the idols that we have taken and we have put our trust in. And Jesus says, I would, I'm inviting you, I'm begging you to join me on my mission. But we do this one way and that is by faith. You have to trust me. When I say go, you go. When I say jump, you say how high on the way up. Right? And that, that's what Jesus demands, that we trust him. We don't like people demanding things of us, but Jesus is our Lord. We call him Lord and Savior, but we really only mean Savior. We don't want him to be our Lord. We don't want him to be our boss. That's why when my kids were growing up, we, when we were describing our relationship with Jesus, we said he's our Savior and our boss. And they, and they really connected with that. And they, there are some of them right now, they're like, I'm not ready for Jesus to be my boss yet. They haven't grown all that faith yet. But God will get them there. But at least we're not telling them, oh, he's just your Savior and you don't have, you, we want them to be mission-minded people. We want them to get on the mission. Just like all of us should get on the mission, right? Only happens through faith. So he said, going back to our text, he said to them, in whatever place you enter a house, stay there until you depart from that place. And where, who bless you, uh, whoever you will not receive, or they will, and whoever will not receive you nor hear you, when you depart from there, shake off the dust under your feet as a testimony against them. Assuredly, I say to you, it will be more tolerable for Sodom and Gomorrah in, that, in the day of judgment than for that city. So, very simply, people will not all accept this message. What message? That Jesus loves them and has invited them into a right relationship with God, and he's done everything they need. People will not all like that. Um, But we should not freak out, it says. Just give the message. God's kingdom has come. You get on board or you get left behind. That's the truth. And we got to keep this in mind when we deal with um, all of their crazy, okay? As we're as we're giving this message, um, if they don't receive, if someone doesn't receive, they will die and burn in hell. I mean, that's that's a scary thing, and we don't need to rub that in. Just give the message and bring love, and and uh, do anything you can do to help people understand that you're not against them, you're for them. You're like a an ambassador that says, There is no more war. You peace has come, freedom has come through what Jesus has done. Accept it, believe it. It's free, it's real. Um So don't add to their pain and sorrow. Just give them truth with love. Jesus is telling them how his kingdom is brought. And um So we bring the simple message that people can be saved by trusting in the Savior that God has given. The next text uh, says, So they went out and preached that people should repent, and they cast out many demons and anointed with oil many who were sick and healed them. So here we see three things that ministry uh, was. So three three ways that Jesus um, empowered them. and, And number one, they gave truth. He said they preach that people should repent. So that's part of ministry. You want to be involved with God's kingdom, which is a ministry, then you're going to have to be giving truth to people. Hey, God loves you. That's true. Hey, we need to repent of our sin. That's also true. But I thought God loved me. He does. But we must repent and turn to Him and accept His free gift or else his love for us will be wasted and we will be separated from him eternally. These are the truths that people must hear and know that Jesus loves them and has provided salvation for them. The second thing we see, not only give truth, but they exercised spiritual power. You see what I did there? Exercised. Anyway. Oh, <laughs> That's a good one. All right. This means that they were enabled... Uh, to break strongholds and chains that that people had spiritually been bound by, you know we see this today with with um, um, you know addictions to alcohol and drugs those are those are these a lot of times they 're spiritually rooted and and we are bringing a freedom when we give them Christ anyone that's struggling with this, we give them not a system, not a formula, not accountability, we give them Christ. And we say, connect with Jesus, know his love for you, and he breaks the chains of the alcohol, of the drugs, of the spiritual root of the problem. I'm not saying that the physical helps of, of, you know, a group or something like that are bad, but it's not what we bring and it's not what we trust in. We trust in Christ alone. And Jesus, when he's trusted in, always delivers. There's no like some, uh, like 20% of the people who go to our group, you know, go back into doing their stuff. Okay. 100% of people who cast their trust fully on Jesus are healed and delivered. Which one are you going to go with? Because I know which one I trust in. And so when I'm talking to people about what's the most important, what's the path they should follow, I'm not going to care about anything except connect with Jesus. Jesus will set you free. It's the relationship with Jesus, his love and power being set upon you, given to you free, that sets people free. And that's it. And, and you know, people mock me and all Christians for this viewpoint. Oh, you think just... just God is trusting God and you just fixes all your problems. Yes. Yes, absolutely. I do because the Bible tells me to and Jesus says this is the only way that I can be a part of his kingdom bringing in this world. This is the only way. So I want to be a part of it. Well, a lot of people don't like that. A lot of people reject you. We just read he says just it'll it'll happen. Um, Okay, so they they gave them truth, they exercised spiritual power to people who were bound by things, and then it says that they met the physical needs of the sick and broken people. They brought healing, it said, and they they anointed people. and so, when it says they anointed, what they would do is they would take olive oil and they would rub it on places where people were hurt. Like, see, people would have bruises or cuts, and and it was just really common back then. It was a tough place to live, and and olive oil was the best medicine that was around at that time. So, this is really speaking of um, of being medically there for people, helping people with their sicknesses and their and uh, the way that they were hurt and meeting their physical needs. Sometimes it was food. Sometimes it was this olive oil thing. And um, um, so it, it, it was just rubbed on people, not magic. It wasn't, you know, you didn't say magic words as you rubbed oil on people. That's not what it's talking about. It's just practically meet people's needs, Jesus said. Okay, this describes real ministry. Giving truth, setting people free, and meeting their physical needs. To me, that sounds a lot like friendship. Loving, selfless, caring friendship. Doesn't that sound like that to you? But not a kind of friendship that I'm really good at. Or you're really good at. In our flesh, we cannot do this. Any of them. You're like, but I'm a doctor, I heal people. Yeah, a lot of doctors I know don't do that great a job. But anyway, what I'm saying is, what if we, as a church, dedicated ourselves to doing these things with all our strength? In other words, with, with our flesh. Just, you know what would happen? <laughs> we would... <laughs> yes. But we would get really big Because people love someone with a plan. People love a human invented plan. People love when people say, you can do it and we're going to do this and we're going to do that and we're going to get down and pull ourselves up and we are going to give everything to this. Lots of people would come. That would be the number one result. The number two result is um, we would fail. Absolutely. That's what would happen. So when we preached truth, we would come off like jerks. Why? Because we're not focused on the relationship with Jesus first. We're not, our hearts aren't being transformed. We're going right into the work and the serving God without spending time in his love. So we cannot do these things in our, we're just deciding to do them, just I'm going to put out my best effort to do them. Because when you preach, you'll come off like a jerk. Number two, if you tried to set people free from their demons, you would fail. All that would be seen in your life would be weakness. There was a story in the book of Acts of this people who saw that people were casting out demons through the name of Jesus. And they're like, well, we want to do that. We we think that would be great for our city to have less demons, you know, possessing people. And so they go, and we, we cast you out in the name of Jesus. And the demons are like, we know who Jesus is, and we know who Paul is, but uh, who are you? And they kicked their butt. Okay. And that's what happens if we try to do spiritual things without the spiritual oneness with Christ, without being surrendered and connected with him. That's what happens. We're like, man, I've been trying. There's, I've been talking with people, and nothing ever happens. There's never any fruit, and this is not set free, and I don't know what's going on. It's kicking my butt. Yeah, that's why. We haven't been doing it the way that Jesus said to do it. So what, what would happen um, is we resort to things we, can, we feel like we can do, like man-centered psychology, uh, to try to achieve a spiritual victory by physical and rational means. We think, I can make a difference in someone's soul by fixing their mind and how it works. And that just doesn't work spiritually. they are two different things, the, the soul and the mind. They're connected, but you're never going to heal someone's soul by fixing their mind. It's good to fix their mind, but it's not the root cause. Jesus and his grace and love are the only things that really heal the soul. And that's why that's going to be what I focus on what, a tr- what the church is going to preach and focus on is where are you at with Jesus? What's your relationship like with Jesus? Are you trusting in him or are you trusting in something else? And we're going to preach always, Jesus is what you need. Amen? Amen. Amen. All right, so um, number three, if we take care of the sick and brought real change into their lives, but it was done through the flesh, it was done by our own strength, Here's what's going to happen. We can never do enough to really help all the people. We will run out of strength and resources. Jesus said, if you trust in me, call upon me, you will never lack the resources that you need. But when we try to step out of that and do I'm going to do this on my own, we will find that we will run out and that God's bless, hand of blessing just isn't on the thing that we were trying to do. Because with him, it doesn't matter to him that you want to make a great difference in the world. It matters to him whether you accept his beloved son, whether you're walking with his beloved son. That's what's a million times more important than whether you're trying to make a difference in the world. He says, I'll use you to make a difference in the world, accept my son, walk with him. Then you will be used because it's not your strength that you'll be walking in, it'll be mine as a free gift. Or just keep doing it on your own, and we'll see how that goes. So this is the main lesson that we're we're learning today, just to wrap it all up, okay? Jesus came as a poor servant of of God. We've been seeing that in the book of Mark, it teaches us that he's a servant of God. And and everything he needed, he received from his father. He didn't come, like, on a strong horse. He came as a baby. He came dependent on on his father and his father provided everything that he ever needed. And he invested in his relationship with his father every single day. We've seen Jesus goes and gets alone with God. He, he looks to God's word and he trusts and believes it and he applies it into his life. These are relationship building things. He's very concerned about his relationship with his father. Nothing comes between him and his relationship with his father. That's his priority. And through that relationship, Jesus is empowered to be sent on this mission that God sends him on, and that mission is to serve us. He's always serving us. Whether he's giving us truth or he's giving his very life, everything he does is not for him, it's for us. Serving us. And, uh, and even healing us with his power. And so that's what Jesus has been doing all through Mark. And Jesus is reproducing this same perfect plan with us. Us, that's his mission. It's done the same way. So we come to him as poor servants. You don't come saying, look at all my talents, God. Look what I could do for you. You come saying, God, I'm a chief of sinners. I, am, I cannot do what you've called me to do in my own strength. I'm convinced of that. We come as poor servants. Everything we need is given as a free gift from our Heavenly Father. We call that grace, this humble dependence on God. And then um, and we're called to invest in that relationship with our Father every single day to have that priority. Guys, are you doing that? Are you investing In your relationship with Jesus. Through that relationship, you will be empowered to be sent into this world and to serve the people of this world. But I think a lot of us don't invest in our relationship with God because we don't want to be sent because we really don't like the people of this world. So we know that if we spend time with Jesus, then crazy things start happening. We start getting like things stripped away left and right. We start going through more trials and getting refined in this fire of, of, it's like, I don't like this. This is not comfortable. And then so we put our Bibles down, we put them away, and we spend a few days just on our own and the things calm down. And God is saying, there's one way. Relationship with me will produce Life but you're gonna, it's one way, it's by faith. And so I'm going to strip away. Nope, no sandals. Nope, no second this, none of that. And it's like, wow, when are we going to trust him? When are we going to keep pushing into a relationship with him, even though it, it is bringing death to our flesh? Because our flesh hates that. Our flesh screams and yells. And I don't, this is not comfortable. I don't like when God is calling me to follow him. And I can't do my dreams. And I can't do my plans. Because it's all about him and his plans. That's what our flesh screams, right? Or is it just me? That's what my flesh is. I want my life. And Jesus says, no. Your life is forfeit. Forfeit. When you sinned, which was a long time ago, and lived a life of sin, I bought you back. I paid the price for you. And you are mine. And what I give you is free forgiveness and love, but also I ask you, partner with me on my mission. Serve me. Serve me. That's his perfect plan. We are empowered. We are enabled to preach truth, to spiritually deliver people, and to physically care for them. All three of those, Jesus is the source of. Did you know there were no hospitals before the church was formed 2,000 years ago? There was also no orphanages. Hospital, when people were sick, or if your kid was sick, you threw them on the street and let them die. That's how life worked for the entire 4,000 years of human history before Christ. People did not care for sick people. But when Christians were transformed by the love of Christ, they started seeing these babies tossed out on the street, and they started say, I'll care for that person. But you're not going to get anything from that. How is your life going to be better by pouring out for this weak, helpless, miserable, rotten baby? And the Christians were like, I don't know. I just love love. I love it. I love them. So they took these babies and over 300 years of this practice of doing this, and then this baby would be raised in a Christian home, hearing about the love of Christ and having a value, in a sense, poured into them of, of God's love. After 400 years, Rome just turned into a Christian nation because everyone was Christians, because the love of Christ had multiplied to all these weak, helpless, broken people. And then these people started hospitals and they started orphanages and they started all these wonderful institutions, schools, things that we take for granted or think that just people came up with. None of these things existed before the church started them. Then the church became corrupt and stupid with power. So there needed to be a reformation of that and all kinds of stories. But anyway, guys, we're on a mission. We're in the Lord's army, if you choose, to follow him. And that mission is to, number one, preach truth to the world of how much God loves them and has done for them, how easy it is to be forgiven. Number two, to deliver them from spiritual powers that enslave them. You do not have to be a slave of alcohol, drugs, sex, power. You are free when you come to Christ. That's what we preach. And number three, we are, we are called to heal, to care for them medically and physically. That's what we are called to do. Our food bank is one way where us, as a weak, small congregation, that's where we um, God has enabled us. Have we ever um, not had anything to give? No. The Lord has provided for us and provided for the people who come month after month after month, year after year year that's right so we're on a mission okay and if we're gonna do mission training maybe god has called you to another part of the world then start your mission training and that mission training is always abide with christ connect with him enjoy him spend time with him grow in a real relationship with him what does a real relationship with look like humility and faith humility says i I need you god i 'm broken without you i 'm lost. Faith says, but you I believe you love me, and you 've done what you said you did in the bible that 's faith I trust in it um, these are the that 's how what a relationship with God looks like so there was this Italian patriot named uh, Garibaldi, and he um, back i don 't know eighteen hundreds he um, was trying to unify and, and and help Italy become a country um, that had been, like, a, a whole bunch of stuff. There was a lot of chaos. So he he really loved his country, and he stood on the steps of St. Peter's Basilica in Rome. And he um, he gathered a whole bunch of people to him, and they're, like, going to go to war, right? And he says um, to all the people around him, he says, I offer you neither pay nor provisions, I offer you hunger, thirst, forced marches, battles, and death. Let him who loves his country with his heart and not with his lips only follow me. Now, Jesus similarly says, whoever c- will come after me, let him deny himself, take up his cross, and follow me. Same thing. A relationship with Jesus is life and death. Okay? That's why people hate dealing with this. They want to avoid every conversation about Jesus and why we, frankly, avoid spending time with him in the mornings. Because it's death to our flesh when we are are faced with the brightness of his glory. When he commands our following him and, and... He commands us to sacrifice our self-abilities. He says, you cannot do this. He commands it of us. Our flesh dies in that moment when we believe it and when we surrender to it. But he's also life. Because his life and his power is freely poured out to anyone who would believe and receive his message. Spend that time with him. Build that relationship. Well, I want to take up my cross and follow him. I, I, I heard that from someone's heart just now. Just, I want to take up my cross and follow him. But how? Okay, I'm going to help you with that. Just some practical. In the morning, your flesh wants to get after it. Your flesh or your flesh wants to just give up. So either you wake up and you're like, I'm going to get going for my day. Or you get up and you're like, Oh, this day sucks already. Those are both flesh responses, okay? Also, your flesh may just want to relax and chill, kind of in the middle, okay? Or your flesh wants to fill in the blank, get high, whatever. The practical way to walk with Jesus is to um, crucify every one of those desires. How? How? By denying them, Jesus said. By purposely choosing Jesus instead of those things. I want to get after it. I don't got time for devotions to spend time with Jesus. You need to deny that. That is a fleshly desire. And your flesh thinks it doesn't need Jesus today. And it's wrong. Crucify it. How? Deny it. Oh, I'm just so sad and lonely today. I'm just going to sit around. No. Crucify that. Get up, dive into the word of God, dive into his life, and ask him what he would have you do today and step out and do it. You see how that crucifies the fleshly desire? We turn our back on it and we deny it and we say no. It's purposely choosing Jesus instead of what my flesh desires. So instead of what my flesh desires, we choose opening up the word and seeking Jesus' face. Letting his truth speak to you and pour out your heart to him in prayer. Does that make sense? It's actually fairly easy. And it will hurt your flesh. In fact, it will kill your flesh. And it will not be easy. Because you will find the moment you open your Bible, every single text message comes through at that moment. So you need to take your phone and you put it on silent and put it away from you. (laughs) but it will be life-giving. It will. And if you feel dry, there is one solution. If you feel empty, there is one solution. Jesus. And his life will be poured into you even if you don't deserve it. So you're like, but I sinned all night long. How is Jesus going to... Jesus still will meet with you and he still will pour out his spirit in you. How gracious and loving is that? We do not ever deserve it, but he promises to always meet us with love and kindness as long as we come in faith and humility. So that's our sermon for today. That's our message, okay? Um, We've seen about how to serve God, how to get on mission with him. Would you guys all stand up with me? So I just want to make sure everyone knows that you have an opportunity right now to express your faith in Christ, to say, Jesus, I, I trust you. I believe what I've heard today. I believe that you have brought me here sovereignly, that I didn't even know I was going to come here or I, whatever. I, I've been planning on coming here, but I've been hurting. Jesus has had a plan to meet with you today, and he's brought you here, and you have an opportunity right now to say Christ. Forgive me and save me. I want a relationship with you. And just by that simple prayer of the heart, what happens is Jesus forgives every sin that you've ever done. Jesus adopts you as a child of God, and you are seen as a brother of Christ. And you get an equal share in the inheritance of God that Christ has earned himself. We are given for free. It is a wonderful invitation, and that invitation goes out to every single person that is listening to me online or or that is in this room today. And then there are a lot of us in here that have been living our lives, but maybe not on mission every day. We haven't been living for his mission. We, have, we don't care about telling people the truth. We don't care about helping them with their needs, and we certainly don't care about them being delivered because we're barely delivered ourselves. Jesus says, Come to me, spend time with me, and I will send you out. And that is the serious invitation for you guys today. Come to him and invest and dig into that relationship with him. Pour out your heart, listen to what he has for you. And he will use you. So let's pray. Father, I pray first for those who need to know that they're forgiven and to start a new life with you. And I pray that right now their hearts would cry out in faith. And Jesus, I know that your promise to whoever would call out to you in faith, in simple faith, is that you will give them a free gift, the free gift of your Holy Spirit. Your very presence, your very life will be poured out and offered to them fully and you will wash wash away, wipe away every sin from their entire life. So if anyone wants to call out to Jesus, just in your own heart, in truth, call out to him today. And Lord, we all, Lord, we repent. We repent from living lives in our flesh and for not trusting you every moment of the day. Lord, we need to learn to trust you. And I pray that through our relationship with you and through your holy word, God, that you would teach us the benefits of trusting you, the the way of trusting you. You would teach us, Father, how trusting in you is 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 like gold. If we could see things with spiritual eyes, we would see faith is the currency, the gold of heaven. God, teach us to surrender everything, to not worry about our riches, to not worry about anything except walking with you, enjoying your grace and free gifts in our life. I pray for everyone in here who's really been struggling or hurting, and I pray that you would come and and touch their hearts. Tell them how much you love them. Help them feel how much you care about them, Jesus. Let them know that they are not alone, that you have called them by name. You know them. You know every single thing about their life, and you still are pursuing them. In Jesus' name we pray all these things. Amen.